We also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. Ye have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we ask your blessings upon your word as it goes forth. We ask, Lord, that you would right now come and prepare our hearts so that when the word of God falls, it can fall on good ground. Give us ears to hear. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would faithfully minister your word to our hearts this morning. Help us to see the race that is set before us. Help us to see the responsibility that we have to live for you. And uh, God, may we do so with our whole heart. May we make a determination today to, to run the race that you've set for us. Father, we pray your blessings upon this time together. We ask God that you would speak to our hearts today, please. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. The Bible says we're in a race, and this is not a sprint. This is a long haul. This is a marathon. And uh, it's long-term, and that's why God says that we need to be patient as we run the race. There's, there's a couple of things that we were, we're told to do down in verses 2 and 3. We're told to look unto Jesus. We're told to consider him. But we can't really do that. We can't do that properly until we first do what verse 1 tells us to do. Um, verse 1 contains orders that are absolutely essential in order to properly run the race. And then verses 2 and, and 3 have to do with the motivation that uh, will, will keep us going in the race. In verse 1, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. It says that we're encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. I, you know, I, I don't believe that that's talking about an arena up in heaven where they're seated in the bleachers and looking down and watching what we're doing. That, that, isn't, that isn't in context. That really isn't the picture at all. What he's telling us about is the fact that there are pe people that have gone before us and he spent an entire chapter uh, explaining who those people were and what they did and how they, how they trusted God and how they had faith in God and what the result was in their life. Now it says that we're encompassed about so great a cloud of witnesses. In other words, there are so many people that have gone before us that have trusted God, that have lived for God, that have loved God, and they've proved God over and over again. And they're testifying about our God to us. Uh, God was strong on their behalf. And because he was strong on their behalf, we can trust him to be strong on our behalf as well. Romans chapter 15 and verse 4 says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that through patience and comfort of the scriptures uh, we might have hope. And we have hope because of, we've seen other folks who have, who have 
put their faith in God and have stood the test and stood the test of time and run the race that was before them. Uh, before we, before we uh, uh, look unto Jesus, we've got to do a couple of things. We, first of all, we've got to lay aside every weight which uh, can, can slow us down. Lay aside every weight. That just simply means anything that can hinder you, anything that can hamper you. It's not necessarily talking about sin. Now, he talks about sin here in just a moment. But in this, in this uh, description, he's talking about a weight. Now, weights are used for runners when they train. Uh, I very, very, very briefly uh, tried to run cross-country in high school, not for very long, but uh, it was not a successful run, so to speak. Uh, but one of the things that I, that I did learn was that one of the things they used to, to help them run faster was they used weights when they were training. But when they got ready to run the race, they shed the weights. The weights were gone. Uh, those, those weights could slow them down, and they knew that, and so they took them off. There are things oftentimes that, that are in our lives that are weights. They're not necessarily sins, but they're things that encompass our time. They're things that, that distract us. Um, you know, we've got, I think, uh, today, uh, and, and, and the, the distractions I think are obvious, we've got more distractions today than we've ever had in history. Uh, there's just all kinds of things that can take our attention and take our time. And, and we need to be careful of those things and take our time and take our energy and take our, take our attention. What's, you know, one of the things you need to ask yourself this morning, and, and, and I need to ask myself this morning, am, am I, are you sold out to God? You know, uh, when the Apostle John was, was uh, addressing the seven churches of Asia, he, he told uh, one of the churches, he said that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were hot or cold, but you were lukewarm, and so I spew you out of my mouth. Lots of times we get in that lukewarm condition. We're not, we're not cold for God, but we're really not hot for God either. And anything short of being 100% sold out, really, is, uh, is lukewarm. And God wants, us, God wants us sold out. What is it that would prevent you from, from totally, just completely selling out to God and, and, and having a, a heart and a spirit that would just give your entire life to him for whatever he would he would see fit. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about if you're not in full time service, you go into full time services. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm just talking about giving your whole life unreservedly, wholeheartedly to God. Sometimes, one of the things one of the things that or the several things that prevent us from actually becoming sold out is the things that slow us down, those weights that are there that we haven't laid aside. And, and if, if there's a weight that is preventing us from selling out, then that, that weight actually is ahead of God, and it, it's in the wrong place. And it needs to either be pushed off to the side or pushed down the line, 
or totally gotten rid of in our lives. So the first thing is to get rid of the weights. Are there things that are slowing you down that are preventing you from, from selling out to God? Secondly, he says, lay aside the sin which does so easily beset us. There's two ways to look at that, I think. Uh, number one, uh, all of us have different sins, different things that we struggle with. And, and we ought to uh, lay aside those things, lay aside the sin that easily besets us. And you know what it is. You, you know what your sin is. I know what my sins are uh, that easily beset me. And we, we need to, to set them aside. Uh, every, everyone is different. And so we've all got different sins. But can I suggest to you this morning that there is a sin that we all struggle with? And really, it's completely within the context of Hebrews 11 and Hebrews 12. And I, I, I believe that that sin is the sin of unbelief. I think we all struggle with that. Uh, there are, there are, are different levels of unbelief, but we all struggle with just, just the complete trust in God. And, and nothing can, can kill us in our spiritual lives like unbelief. Uh, unbelief, for instance, will, will cause you to worry. Uh, it, it'll, it, it will work on your heart in such a way that you'll become ineffective. Um, the disciples, when they were uh, in a storm on the sea, they, they got worried. They weren't trusting God. And uh, because of that, it hindered them. It put them in peril. Uh, unbelief can cause us to let our guard down. Uh, you know, Moses was gone for just, just for 40 days and 40 nights. And that's, that's not long. You know, that's only, that's only a little over a month. And uh, during that time, the people went from trusting God to idolatry. And, and they totally turned, turned their backs on God as a result. They let their guard down. And they let their guard down because of unbelief. Unbelief causes us to murmur, causes us to complain. Uh, when you're trusting God, you're not, you're not complaining. It doesn't make any difference. And you say, well, yeah, but you don't know my circumstance. Circumstances are immaterial. That's not what's important. The, the thing that's important is, are you trusting God? Can God take care of you? Uh, unbelief causes us to covet. Uh, Achan, when he went with Joshua into Jericho, and they were told specifically, don't take any of the spoil of the first victory in Jericho. And yet the, he went ahead and took some of the spoil. Why? He didn't believe God. He just simply didn't believe God and it caused, caused him to covet. It, it, it can cause you to get discouraged because you take your eyes off of Jesus and you put them on the circumstance. Uh, I, I believe that every sin in one form or another can be, can be traced down to that sin of unbelief. And uh, it is so important that that be taken care of. Um, take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 40. Psalm 40. It's so important that we, that we lay aside... that we lay aside sin because it'll prevent us from totally selling out to God 
Psalm 40, and look with me down in verse 12. Psalm 40, verse 12. says, For innumerable evils have compassed me about, mine iniquities have taken hold upon me, so that I am not able to look up. You can't look unto Jesus if you've got sin in your life. Uh, it says, they, they are more than the hairs of mine head, therefore my heart faileth me. Uh, the reason why we need to take care of that sin is because without taking care of the sin, we can't properly look to Jesus. We can't properly trust God and we can't properly get rid of that unbelief that's in our life. Then the, the third thing that we need to do, it talks about the fact that we ought to lay aside every, every weight, says that we ought to lay aside the sin which does so easily beset us. And, and we ought to, also ought to run with patience the race that is set before us. That's a personal race. There's not two races in this sanctuary that are alike. Uh, everyone has your own race that God has put before you. He's got your life to live. He's got goals and he's got things that he wants to see you accomplish. He's got spheres of influence that you have that other people don't have. And that race is unique. It is your race. And you're to run that race with, with patience because you're responsible for it. You're responsible for it because that's what God has placed before you. Patience means that we're in it for the long haul. And, you know, when you, when, when you realize that the Christian life isn't just a, a, a spurt, a sprint, you realize that it's a long haul race. You realize that there's a whole lot more at stake, and uh, we need to be very, very patient. It's, it, it, in fact, it's, it's really not so much on how you start, but it's really how you finish and what you do in between. We ought to start with excellence. We ought to, we ought to end with excellence. We ought, ought not to end with mediocrity. And when we do those things, when we lay aside every weight, we lay aside the sin which does so easily beset us, and we run with patience the race that is set before us, then we can do verse 2. Look down with me in verse 2 of Hebrews 12. It says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. Um, God doesn't want us to look at people. He wants us to look at Jesus. He doesn't want us to look at, at circumstances. He wants us to look at, at him. Uh, some, sometimes we find ourselves putting our, our trust and our faith in people. And people will fail you. I've had people fail me over my, my lifespan. And you've had people fail you in your life. Uh, why? Well, because they're sinners, just like you and I are. If you look to them, you'll get discouraged. But if you look to Jesus, you'll stay encouraged. Uh, if, if, they, if they fall, your life gets shaken. Uh, if you get disappointed uh, by people, we have a tendency to build walls up. And, and if you look, at, you look at the Apostle Paul, uh, he handled that thing uh, in an excellent manner. Uh, the church at Corinth, as an example, had... had did not re always respond well. And he was very complimentary to him. I was just reading through First and Second Corinthians again. And uh, 
boy, uh, you know, uh, he was he was patient with them. He was trying to be helpful to him. But he makes a statement in there. He says, the, the more I love you, he says, the less I be loved. You know, I've often looked at that at that statement and said, well, what do I do when that happens to me? You know, when when I love somebody and and my love is returned less and less, the greater my love gets toward them. What do I do? Do I, you know, do I back off on the love? Do I build walls? Do I, you know, cause a defense shield to come up? Or do I just pour it on even more so? Because the truth of the matter is nobody can stop your love. The only one that can stop your love is you. And, and if you look to people, uh, you know, you'll, you'll get discouraged and you'll not run the race like God would have you to run it. Uh, the, what you need to focus on is you need to focus on Jesus Christ. Notice what it says in verse 2. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know the encouraging thing to me is he did all that for us. He did that for us. He despised the shame. I believe that was part of what was incorporated in his prayer when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he was, before he was crucified. And he, he said, if, the, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. I think it had to do with that shame, with that degradation. It had to do with that wrath of God that was going to be poured on him. But he says, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He despised that shame, but he looked forward to the joy. What was the joy of being able to receive us unto himself uh, as we trust him as Savior? And, and uh, that is encouraging to us. You know, you, you may have all kinds of things going on in your race right now that are, that are discouraging, that, are, that uh, have a tendency to cause you to, to be distracted. But what we need to do is we need to, to look unto Jesus and be encouraged by him and to consider him. Look down in verse, not only look to him, but consider him. Verses 3 and 4 says, For consider him that endured much contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Uh, you know what I, I'm convinced of? We don't, we don't consider Christ enough. We don't think about what he went through for us. You know, we, we start having troubles, we start having difficulties, we get discouraged, and we think we've really got it bad. I think the, one of the reasons why we think we have it so bad sometimes is because comparing ourselves among ourselves, we are not wise. But instead of comparing ourselves among ourselves, you know what we ought to do? We ought to consider Jesus and consider what he went through. Consider the contradiction of sinners that he, that he suffered for us and, and uh, the, the pain and the anguish and the shame that he took for us. Don't consider your circumstances, but instead consider Christ and what he went through and what he went through for you. 
Um, take your Bibles, keep your finger here, but go over to, to 1 Kings chapter 19. There's an Old Testament prophet that saw a great victory, and that was Elijah. He saw the victory against the prophets of Baal, and afterwards, I, I'm sure he was rejoicing, but he was very tired, he was very weary, and then he got a, he got a note from the queen. Queen Jezebel sent him a note and basically said, tomorrow at this time, you're going to be dead. Uh, the, the, this town isn't big enough for the, for the two of us. And uh, so uh, you're, you're, you're toast. And he saw that note and he immediately got discouraged. And he took off. He, he, he did not follow where the Lord wanted him to go. He just took off on his, on his own. And if you look with me in, in verse, uh, verses 9 and 10, now let's go on up to verse 8. It says, And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? In other words, Elijah, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to be out there standing for me. Verse 10, he says, and he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And, and what he's doing is he's looking at everybody else. And he's saying, man, everybody else has, has uh, uh, forsaken you, has gone to idolatry. I'm the only one that's standing for truth. Well, the truth of the matter was God told him there were 7,000 that did not kiss Baal. Or 7,000 that, did, that had, not, had not capitulated. And so he wasn't the only one. But when you start looking at the circumstances, instead of looking to Jesus, that's exactly what you think. You know, the, the problem that he had was he was more concerned about himself, and he began to look inward. Uh, he got to the point where earlier in that chapter, he said, said I, I'd be better off if, if you just killed me. I wish you'd just kill me. Just take my life. Um, he wanted to die. And yet he, he had just been given a tremendous victory. But he looked at the circumstances rather than looking at the God who gave him the victory. And we, we focus on the wrong things. And if you focus on the wrong things, you're going to faint. Take your Bibles and turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 through 18. Starting in verse 6, it says, For God who, hath, who commanded the light to shine on darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God, not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, 
but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also uh, by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen. And that's the key. He, he went through all kinds of stuff. He went through discouragement. He went through, through a near-death experience. He was stoned. He was rejected. And yet he says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And that's what looking unto Jesus is all about. Looking to, to see his hand in your situation. Looking to see the strength that he offers for you. Again, Paul went through more than I think really any of us have ever been through. I know that's, that's certainly true for me. And, and yet, he said, listen, he wasn't discouraged. In fact, though he was beaten down on the outside, he said, on the inside, I'm renewed and I'm strong because, because he looked in the right direction. Uh, he he, he, he uh, uh, looked and considered the Lord Jesus Christ and things that are eternal. If you go back with me to, to Hebrews chapter 12 and look in verses 3 and 4, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. And that's what happens, and that's when we drop out of the race, or that's when we slow down in the race, is when we get wearied and faint in our minds. And then he says, ye have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Um, Jesus did that, and he did that for us. He resisted unto blood, and he strove against our sins so that we could have the victory. As you go further on in that chapter, it talks about chastening. In fact, the next verse, if you look down in, uh, in, verse, in verse 5, it says, You have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto, unto children, my son. Despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him, for whom the Lord loveth he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. When we start to faint in the race, when we start to get impatient, when we stop considering Jesus, when we've not laid aside the weight, we have not forsaken the sin which does so easily beset us, then God has to step in and he has to correct us and he has to bring us, bring us back. The whole purpose of that is to get us back into the race so that we might, we, we might run that race with patience. The question I have for you this morning is, how are you doing in your race? 
Every one of us has a different one. Every one of us has a different race. Have you, have you laid aside the weight that so easily... You know what it is. You, you know the things that are in your life that have a tendency to th- slow you down. Uh, have you pushed those off to the side? I, one of the things that more and more I see as, as I continue in the Christian life is that priorities are an important thing. And we have to, we have to decide what is, what is important and what isn't. And then the sin, which does so easily beset us. Uh, that sin of unbelief is something we all struggle with. But then there's individual sins that, that beset us personally. What would beset you would not necessarily beset me. But whatever besets you, you have to deal with. Whatever I, it besets me, I must deal with in order to run the race properly. And that has to be done before we can really look unto Jesus and get the strength and get the, the help that we, we can for our race. How you doing? Are you running your race patiently? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we thank you this morning for your word and the encouragement of it. These next couple of weeks, uh, there's going to be a lot of activity around here. And already uh, you can see that folks, uh, there's some folks that uh, are being pulled in different directions. And it may have to do with things that we're doing here. It may have to do with things that are going on in their own personal life. But that's the time when it's real easy to get discouraged. That's the time when it's real easy to take our eyes off of Jesus. Lord, help us to lay aside those weights and deal with that sin so that we can look unto Jesus and consider the one that did so much for us, who gave everything for us. Lord, uh, That's why it's so important that we love you with all our heart and our soul, our mind and our strength. We can't do those things if we don't deal with the weights and deal with the sins and decide to be patient in running the race. Father, I pray that you'd deal with our hearts this morning and help us to look at our own race. Now look at our husband's race or our wife's race or our children's race or our friend's race. Help us to look at our race. How are we doing? And are we, are we looking unto Jesus, keeping our focus on the one who has done it all for us? Father, I pray that you would bless this invitation, work on our hearts. And uh, Lord, may you have your will and your way. If there's anything that is in our lives today, that is preventing us from being totally sold out to you. May today be the day that 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 thing or things be put at the altar and given to you so that we might please you in all things and run our race with patience. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.